This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Martin, the Countex just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It does, it does. And it's the biggest, I'd say biggest show in Europe, and I'm thinking it might be the biggest show in the world. What we know, for sure, is the one-stop shop for digital and in-person events. With the following it's built over the years, Accountex packed a punch that's with events that are dedicated to both the accounting and finance professionals. Yeah, and it's all CPD accredited as well. They've got a virtual summit coming up 10th, 11th of November, which is free to attend. And they've got some interesting topics coming up there, haven't they? Digital assets, social mobility, future of cloud accounting, commercializing opportunities for NTD, penalty reform, not your normal lineup. Yeah, and it's all ramping up to the big event they've got going on in London at the Excel Arena. It's the largest in Europe. And if you want your CPD points, if you want to find out what's happening, don't forget to book that in your diary for the 11th and 12th of May. And there's a website they can go to, Martin. Yeah, accountex.co.uk or indeed follow them on Twitter at at accountex. That's at accountex. Hello there, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it is Saturday, it's the weekend and it's bonus time. We give you accounting influencers episodes throughout the week featuring the news, top interviews and a practical here's what works session that comes out on the Big Monday show and on Thursdays. But on Saturday, we'll continue with our series on why they didn't buy. And this is where we delve into the consulting professional career of Martin Bissett and get lots and lots of interesting practical tips on why your clients or potential clients are not engaging with your services the way they should do. Martin, this has proved really popular with our listeners. What have we got on the line today? I think it's touched the nerve, Rob. I think that's what's happened. I think it's resonated and went, oh, wait a minute, that's me. That happened to me. Wait, <laughs> why, why is that? Because I- All the hands going up, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is one where when I speak to the accountants, and the premise for this entire section is that I've worked with the accountant and not the business owner. So when the accountant has had an opportunity, has gone through the process of meeting the prospects, providing a proposal, getting a decision, and it hasn't gone their way, they've told me the reason why it hasn't happened. And I've sometimes smelt a rat and then chosen to go and speak to the prospect themselves to find out what they think is the reason, because of course they're the one who made the decision, and there's often a disparity. So this one is when they say, well, I couldn't really see what this new accountant was going to provide that my old accountant doesn't already do. Now, that doesn't sound like that in the accounting practice, Rob. When you go in the accounting practice and that's happened, as in the prospect has been unable to see the, tell the difference, it goes like this. Well, Martin, you don't understand. It was a shopping exercise. They weren't really very serious. They didn't have a lot of needs. They weren't really engaged in the process. I'm not sure I was talking to the ultimate buyer. It sounds like that. So you go, you take that uh, as verbatim, first of all, but then you go across to the business owner and say, tell me, I believe it didn't work out. I believe you chose to stay exactly where you are. And why is that? And they say, well, Martin, we, we had two meetings with them. And in those two meetings, We've talked about the business, where the business came from, the historical challenges this business has had, where we want to go now, the major roadblocks and obstacles we see to getting there. And after having all that said and out on the table, they've come back to us with a proposal that just looks like exactly what we're currently getting. <laughs> and so we see no reason. We see no, no need to change. We thought we were going to meet with a practice who had something about them something in the locker, something extra, something more. So you go back 
to the accountant now, Rob, and you repeat that feedback. Well, you know what, Martin, you just don't understand because businesses want you to wave a magic wand. They think you've got this magic wand, you know, where you're just going to change everything all ultimate and, you know, and find this business some money. And then I counter with, well, I asked the business that question, what it was that they wanted. And they wanted tax planning. Well, you do tax planning here, don't you? Well, of course we do. It wasn't in the proposal. Well, no, it wasn't the proposal now. Oh, and that's literally phase two, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, they were expecting it in phase one. Ah, yeah, but that's an additional service. Well, that's not my department. Well, I didn't get a chance to speak to my audit partner before I did the proposal. And all of this crap spews out, Rob. I'm thinking of the blame game, Martin, this passing the book. It's not my responsibility. It's not my fault. Yep. Where there's blame, there's an unwanted client. So on that basis, the more you push back, the more you get all of these reasons, and in inverted commas for those of us listening, reasons why they hadn't put these things in. So the accountant acknowledges that this conversation was had. The, the, the client didn't imagine it. The accountant acknowledges that they went back to write a proposal in full possession of the facts on what was going to make this business change from their current accountant. They were in full possession of knowledge of what the current accountant does for the business and what's wrong with that. And the proposal still didn't reflect it, leaving the business owner completely confused and going, well, I see no upside to moving. It's going to be a hassle to move. I'm going to have to tell somebody who's been with me for 10 years they can't continue. It's, it's a, you know, it, it, it sticks. Well, Martin, I'm fascinated as to why this happens. I appreciate some accounting firms have a stock way that they do proposals, they have a template, they have sections they need to fill in. So that might hamstring them in some ways. I get that occasionally accountants don't listen to what the prospect is asking for. So they go in with a pre-ordained idea of what they're going to offer and what they think they need. Are there any other reasons that we've missed as to why this might be happening? You've diagnosed most of them. I remember once being told about a doctor who was writing the prescription for the patient as the patient walked in. <laughs> into the room yeah. hadn't found out what's wrong with them yet but there you go Here's, these antibiotics will cure everything yeah but accountants you see they're the problem solvers they're the professional advisors we know we are the experts we've got letters after our name we've spent years getting our qualifications we know what you want more than you know what you want it's that kind of approach perhaps unfortunately the reality is that that proposal is often thought about last second it's oh crap, I haven't done that proposal for so-and-so, and it's supposed to be there, I said it'd be there tomorrow. So sometimes it's a rush job. Sometimes inadequate notes are taken, and the accountant will go, mm, yeah, it's interesting, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And probably have forgotten the conversation by the time they got back. Sometimes they are in political dispute with their partners who run other departments and therefore can't factor in the services of the other departments. Yes, that really happens. Our listeners will go, oh, yeah, that's me as well. Uh, and so on. So there are so there's a myriad of reasons as to why it happens. But the problem is, Rob, it happens. We talked to Martin in a previous episode here about turning intentions into actions and this idea of discretionary time. What are accountants doing when they're not charging hours, when they're not billing time, when they're not actually dealing with clients? So here they're dealing with prospects, they're building a pipeline, they're nurturing opportunities, that proposal writing, writing up the notes, going to these meetings getting the needs from the client, this is not charged. Nobody gets paid for doing a proposal. We get paid on the results of winning a proposal. So maybe this is falling down between the cracks and not 
properly prioritised? Well, there's three things to consider. Number one, some firms have a time code, the firms who use timesheets, that is, for business development. So there can be time written against business development. And of course, we call it business development because nobody wants to use the word sales. Um, and so there is that. It can be recorded and accounted for, number one. Number two, accountants, as we've said many times, have not had, as part of their qualifications, much in the way of sales support, sales education. Well, they never joined up to sales, did they? But it is part of the role in one way, shape or form. It's part of any commercial business owner's role. But nevertheless, we don't see ourselves as a commercial business owner. We see ourselves as an accountant in practice. <laughs> make you immune from economics and from, and from commercial realities. So, so there's that to consider as well. And the third thing to consider is, and I, I hate to say this, but not everyone is listening. Not everyone is listening. And, and to illustrate that, the following listeners is a true story. When I started my business um, back in 20, whatever year that was, I had an accountant write to me. They had this little way of looking at new business formations and they sent letters out to anybody who's formed a new business so we can help you. And I was surprised knowing the firm that it was to get a meeting with a partner, even though I was a startup. The partner comes in and spends about 20 minutes, Rob, making the following noise, yum. So I was saying things and they're going yum, 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 yum. Like that. And it's like they either got problems with the dentures or something else is wrong. And but the implication is, yep, yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. I've seen this a thousand times. This is not news to me. This is a boiler template proposal. Exactly. Well, what followed was an email that went like this. Dear Martian, thank you for the, because I can never get the name right. Thank you. <laughs> for taking the time to meet with me, blah, 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 to discuss your business on its plans for the future. Bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. In consideration for these services, we would charge an initial £8,000. I'm a startup. £8,000 10 years ago. I, I'm a, you know, £8,000 and then review it year on year thereafter. Uh, to signal your acceptance of this proposal, please reply with the word yes in the body text of the email. Yours sincerely, name of partner who's never getting my work as long as they've got uh, the sun shining out of the window. <laughs> so, so you can see that there is a disconnect between the perception of the client, which is the only one that matters, and the perception of the practice who perhaps are not used to going through disciplined ways of winning new work. And that's why they don't buy. So let's wrap this up, Martin. How can accounting practitioners who recognize this situation, they're putting their hands up right now and feeling that they may have fallen foul or been a little lazy or complacent in their approach to new business, how can they put this right? The first thing I would like them to do is to understand that a proposal document, which is generally where these things fall down, is a summation, not an explanation. Okay, so you don't have to explain everything you're going to do on, for me on tax. I don't understand it. Just tell me that you're going to handle my tax affairs. So summarize what we've talked about. In order to summarize what we've talked about, you've got to be listening in the first place. And if you ain't listening, you can't summarize accurately. If you can't summarize accurately, your proposal's wrong. If your proposal's wrong, I don't buy. That is it in a nutshell. That's why they don't buy you accountants in practice, you professionals who have this business development growth angle to your role. 
you need to set this right. If you recognize any of these traits in yourself, then you've got a, a little bit of coaching here today from Martin and a, a wake up call because there are businesses out there that need serving. They need advisors. They need help. They desperately need your support. They desperately want to give you the work. If you can't do your bit, play your part in this, they're not going to get it, Martin, are they? They're not. And the problem is that the competition will. Well, that is why they don't buy. We'll see you for the next Saturday bonus. And remember to tune in for our video and audio trailer tomorrow, which tells you everything that's coming up in the show next week. We're a daily show. And on Monday, you get the whole shebang. Everything's coming up in our big CP accredited Monday episode with breakdowns of all the segments throughout the week. Have a great weekend. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.